You are listening to the Hello Sport Podcast. Welcome back to the Hello Sport Podcast, home of unqualified opinion and unwavering bias. Eddie, I'm not going to really give you a proper intro except to acknowledge that you are here with me on the kickoff of NRL season 2021. And uh, we're joined by the CEO of Racing New South Wales, the Australian Rugby League Commission Chairman. You'd also know him as the grandson of God, son of Christ, and close personal friend of the show. It is my great honour and privilege to welcome the one and only St. Peter Volandis to the Hello Sport Podcast. How are you going? Well, very well, thank you. Just, I'm really an actor, but it doesn't matter. Because <laughs> no one can see me, can they? I'd no, 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 they so can't they, see us. They wouldn't right. know if it was me or not. No, that's, well, that's I think you've, you've, got a, you've got a recognisable voice. Oh, okay. I'll, I will say this, puns and dribblers, as I sit here before him, he is indeed divine. I'm getting, I'm <laughs> yeah, getting yeah. that sense. Some sort of holy resplendent <laughs> glow, an aura. No, that's just because there's a light behind me. <laughs> uh, he's modest too, punters and yes. He's a modest man. Look, it is the, uh, the footy's kicking off tonight. Thank you very much for making time for us on such a day. Where are you watching the game? Are you jumping on a private, private jet after we finish here and, you know, flying out to the game? No, I'll be watching it from my lounge room. Oh, lovely. Uh, you know, uh, with a big 100-inch screen TV. Oh, that's nice. Um, and 8K, it is, the TV, so it's very good. <laughs> it's actually a... 32-inch TV, but doesn't matter. That, that, the 100-inch sounds better. Perks of the, so perks so of the job. I'll, I'll be sitting there watching it in comfort. Lovely. Mate, have you absolutely foaming at the mouth to have rugby league back? Absolutely. Couldn't be more excited. You know, it, it, We're counting the minutes down. Mm. And, and it's you know, there's all these extras this year with all the rule changes, and um, I think there's a level of excitement that I haven't seen for a long time. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I, I'm usually so over waiting for rugby league but because of the short turnaround it sort of jumped up on me mm. and it's actually got me more pumped yeah because you know one minute i'm watching test cricket and now i'm watching rugby league or about to and people are pumped like everyone i'm talking to is jacked up yeah i think it's gonna be a big season are, are you allowed to have a team to support oh, look i i follow st george normally but that's tough um you ever look north of the bridge yeah, yeah look I'm, i may have to follow someone else this year so i might have to go for Manly look Sands. i'm a big fan of ricky stewart i think he's one of the real good fellas in rugby league so i've got a soft spot for canberra um one of my staff's husband plays for souths in damien cook so i've got a bit of a soft spot for for souths uh, so they're probably the teams that i'll follow this year i didn't hear him say manly seagulls did no, you hear I him didn't. say I didn't? But I did hear him say that he's open and looking for change. Yeah, he hasn't. And what I heard yet. was that with the right approach and a soft touch, he could and, go anywhere. And right whispering now. sweet nothings that he he could go anywhere. Yeah. And look, and Des Hasler's a great bloke. There you go. C- completely eccentric, but a really good bloke. He's yeah. very attractive too. He's yeah. He's got a good set of hair. I don't know where he gets that from. Uh, probably. Uh, I'd love to know that. I don't know what he uses, but it's very, very thick. So now that you're in your your second year after what was, I mean, last year was crazy. Um, I mean, for everyone. But when you took over the job, and then everything happens, the sort of the world falls in on itself, and then you're confronted with right, the situation rugby league finds itself in. Is there at any point where you just have like a quiet moment with yourself in your office and you sit down and just be like? Holy shit. Screaming I've got, to, I've, I've got to get to work. No, when I get myself out of the fetal position, I, I normally, <laughs> um, you know, I just stay in that corner for a little while and, you know, and then I, you know, hit myself and get up and, and, you know, there was times like that definitely during last year. But look, I was always confident we were going to get through the year. I was always confident in the figures that we had. Um, you know, nothing was based on emotion. It was all based on fact. And you know, look, there was a few trying times. Uh, you know, there was a lot of insults, um, chucked our way 
but we we went through it and and if you're confident about something, you know you're doing the right thing. You just plough ahead. You don't worry about criticism or the white noise that's in the background. Is it true that everyone said, oh, coming back in May is impossible, and you just go, well, that's when we're starting, so come back with solutions? Is that true? It is true. Everybody, um, and all, in, you know, from governments to experts, etc., said oh, that I was totally mad. Well, I am totally mad, so I agree with them on that. But... Look, I based it on the figures. Actually, my legal counsel here, of all people, said to me, what you should start doing is following the figures, and once the community infections start to come down, you know, you'll have a better idea. Mm. That's exactly what we did, is we started looking at all the community infections on a daily basis. I started emailing that to the broadcasters. I emailed it to, you know, some of the major stakeholders and said, look, I think we'll be back sooner rather than later. And then when I said the 28th of May, um, in fact, I was more keen on the 21st of May, Mm. but... They all thought, you know, one broadcaster texted me saying, you are completely an imbecile. Um, There's no way you'll get it by the 28th of May. And, you know, to this day, he regrets sending that text. But the beauty is I've still got the text. It makes me about $1,000 a day every time I blackmail him. So, um, no, but look, I was always confident. And, you know, if I had my time again, I probably wouldn't have closed the game down. It it, it could have went ahead. And we proved that in racing, that we proceeded with the proper biosecurity measures, the proper... Um, uh, compliance by the participants, you can do it. And I've got to take my hat off to the players that really abided by the protocols. You know, we've never had one positive. They behaved themselves to the to the you know to a hundred percent, and we got through the season and and still no positive. So all credit to them. That is crazy when you think about it. Yeah, I mean, like rugby league players have on occasion. You know, earn a bit of a reputation as scallywags. Yeah, a little bit of scallywag behaviour. I think it's fair to say. And I don't think a man alive would have bet that at this point, what a year on, that not a single one of them's tested positive. No. And let's touch some wood there because we also jinxed Tom Trebojevic's <laughs> hamstring a couple of weeks ago, so we don't know our own powers. Um, but it certainly was impressive. And you weren't the two blokes racing him down that course, no, though, we were not in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how much did what happened with uh, in racing prepare you for how much was like transferable knowledge uh, a significant amount because you know I was lucky or, or unlucky to have equine influenza about 10 years ago and it's the horse flu so it was a very similar situation except it was confined to horses but we had to do biosecurity measures we had all the tests we had we it was like a it was an apprenticeship for for the human element of it COVID yeah. so I learned a lot from that so we implemented a lot from that into racing this time round, and some of that uh, also into rugby league. So, you know, biosecurity probably isn't a word that a lot of people would have heard of up until COVID, but I knew all, all about biosecurity because of equine influenza. So um, I was always very, very confident, and I, I think the confidence sort of um, got other people confident, and, and that's why we were able to do it. It got Gil confident. Gil well, needed yeah. to be confident. Then everyone followed on. Was that kind of... That must have felt nice to then see everyone sort of trying to like, trying to catch up after you know you've you've blazed the trail. The funny thing was, uh, all the AF, not necessarily Gilk, but some of the AFL chairmen and CEOs down in Victoria, all said how reckless I was, how stupid I was. Um, I'm a moron. Jeff Kennett, uh, and, and, and Jeff Kennett comes to mind. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, but then they followed two weeks later. So if I was that bad, uh, you know, why did they follow two weeks later? I think the AFL should be sending me a very nice Christmas card mm. because they were predicting a $1 billion loss. So if they'd started you know, in August or September where they, I think they envisaged to start, um, they wouldn't have had as good a financial season. 
No. Well, look, Christmas has come and gone. Did you get that card? No. No, no, no Christmas card. That's disappointing. It is. It's terribly disappointing. So one of the, the ways that I guess you became aware of us, at least, well, firstly, do you, you, do you have an Instagram? Because at one point we saw we were getting followed by Peter Volandis. There was no photo and we were like looking at each other like, this is surely bullshit, right? Like we, we, were, we were your biggest fanboys last year. We were championing everything you were doing. We were talking about going to the moon, you know, let Pete's taking us back to the moon. And then all in and amongst- Project all, Apollo. Yeah, exactly, Project yeah. Apollo. In and all amongst that, we get a follow from a random Instagram account of your name and we were just like this surely can't be Pete is can you confirm or deny the uh, existence no, of your Instagram account fellas, it's not me no it's me, yeah. it was me. <laughs> I was gonna say yeah, it if it's me. not you they're like I think I was gonna be gutted your family members yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, well, they're following him yeah. no, there, there is a few uh, fake accounts but that was actually me so fantastic you know. and because we've been you've been sending him stuff well I was every time we do a video read? I'd send him in and I'd see it had been left unseen and I'm like okay I'm just trying to work out what's going on here but it's good to know <laughs> that you're actually a long you're a lot you're a long time supporter of the podcast as well yeah this yeah, is nice oh I'm yeah, absolutely. I was one of the first followers. Yeah, exactly. It's it's, it's uh, this is a nice synergy moment for us. Um, and then, uh, you know, again, the 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 Vlandis fanfare continued, and one of our listeners actually, in commemoration of everything you've done for rugby league, uh, erected a plaque in your honour at Wollongong University. How did you come to be aware of that? Actually, it was one of my board members' uh, daughters who goes to Wollongong University brought it to my attention that there's a, a, park be- a park bench named after me. I thought, well, that's appropriate, a park bench. That's probably where I'll be sleeping in the future. So, um, and, and to have my name on it as well, that was a great thing. I, you know, they had it reserved. But so she brought it to my attention and, and that's when I started to you know, know about you guys and, and the park bench. You know, you could have picked something better than a park bench, but anyway, that's... Well, look... In fairness to the park bench, it does overlook what I've been told. It's a beautiful pond at yeah. the University uh, of Wollongong, which is obviously where you attended. Yeah. And it just felt like if anyone should have been doing something, it should have been the university because they trumpet their alma mater. Is that alma, the alma mater? Alma mater. Yeah, yeah, alma mater. Like it's going out of fashion and we hadn't heard Bo Peep out of them. So it, I think it was the young listener, Jelly Shot Kid, he sort of seized on the opportunity. There was no one by the bench and that sort of... Where it was put. Yeah. Where you, where, I mean, to the Park 2.0. Yeah, because we're happy to get suggestions from you. Because the plaque has been taken down. Someone at the uni has, has removed it, but we've already seen the new plaque that's arrived, and it's uh, basically they'll have to get, if it, they'll have to get rid of the bench. Look, I, just, I don't care where it is as long as it's not in a cemetery. That's the main thing. <laughs> um, you know, it's not, not a headstone. But now, Wollongong University is the right place. That's where I went to. And yep. um, although they don't want to ever adopt me, but they, 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 they deny that I went there because yeah. <laughs> I wasn't a real good student. I got to tell you, uh, the best I got was a pass. Even when I repeated a subject, I still only got a pass. So um, I'm not what, what you regard as one of their greatest students. Well, how do you think then you came to be in the position you are now? If you know you sort of self admittedly you weren't the, the most studious of students um, bribes and luck <laughs> no I think it's a bit, a bit of hard work you know yeah. I think if you work hard and you know doors open and, and you've got to uh, nothing comes to your lap you know you've got to you've got to do the yards the hard yards and I, I think I've done the hard yards over the years I've, I've certainly worked very hard and and when you, you know, I think that karma comes with it. You know, you do get the results and the outcomes if you put the effort in. 
was that if is there any sort of uh, tr like familial traits that were instilled in you that uh, like that hard work mentality look my my parents in particular uh, both of them worked 18 hour days so i never saw them I, you know when i was playing rugby league i'd have to always go to, to the games with my friends when i did athletics i'd have to go with my friends my parents just worked and worked and worked so that work ethic certainly rubbed off on me and and to a great degree the things i do is to repay them you know all i looked for was that they were proud. That's nice. Yeah. That's nice. Where did so you, you, play? You, nearly, you nearly got me emotional. Well, so I, I mean, yeah, water. same here. You talked about your junior rugby league. Where did you play and who'd you play for? I started playing for a team called Balgowney. And um, as I said, my parents worked 18 hour days, so we weren't very wealthy. And we, you know, we did it a bit tough. So they had a competition. The person that did the most tackles, would they'd all put a dollar in and they hit, hit, you'd get the pot. So if you did the most tackles in the game, you know, you'd probably get 15 bucks. Well, I certainly was after that $15. I tackled everyone, the orange boy, the parents. Um, there, was, there wasn't a person I didn't tackle just to make sure I got that $15. And, and that's where I started. And then from there, I went to the West Devils um, and played with them because most of my friends were at, the, at in the West Devils and played all the juniors through them. But I really do remember my time at Balgowney because it was the first rugby league club I played for. And, you know, they were such great people and such supportive people. And again, you know, they picked me up to take me to the games and drop me off home. Things that, you know, these days people don't do. It's, it's, the, it's the human kindness because they could see that my parents would be, you know, always at work. And, mm -hmm. and um, so I owe them a lot. When it comes to you know the jobs that you've got, obviously CEO racing New South Wales and your role with the, with uh, you know the commission, how do you on a busy day keep your head above water? Like not to insert myself into my own question, but like I've had a mildly busy day today, and multiple times I've had to stop and like just have a deep breath, or like I was driving here and I just had no sound on in the car, and I'm like I just need a moment just to like defrag my brain. Then as I'm walking in here, I'm like I'm coming in to talk to a man who's got so much on his plate all the time. What is you? What do you have to? Do you struggle at any times with sort of everything that's going on, or going shit? I got to do this. I've also got to do that. No, look, there's times you do forget things, and that you because there's so many things on your mind. The hardest thing for me is switching off at night, you know, because you've got, you've got rugby league on one thing and if there's something uh, uh, happening in rugby league, that's in your mind. And, you know, uh, there may be nothing happening in racing, but when they're both happening at the same time, that's when it gets a little bit... And I, and I don't really stress that much. I, 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 I'm not a stress head. But I just take it as it comes. And, however, I think the, the, the part of your brain, the subconscious at night when you try to sleep, it, it must go over time. And mine certainly goes over time. So the greatest thing for me is finding good sleep. Um, and one of my staff members here put me on this, you know, nat what he said was a natural sleeping product. So I took it. I was asleep for four days. I don't know how. how, how um, and then I was uh, drowsy for the re remaining uh, other three days. So, so that didn't help at all. Was so, it a Xanax, was it? Yeah, yeah. So what, what, time are you, what time are you getting up in the morning? What time are you going to sleep? Well, it depends. If I don't get good sleep, I'll get up at 4 o'clock or 5 o'clock and I do a couple of hours work there. And I think that's the most productive part of the day for me. Yeah. People think I'm gone nuts because they get emails at 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock in the morning. But that's, I think, with, you know, I'm really alert at that point in time. Maybe I, you know, I was, a, you know, a breakfast toast or something in the past. I don't know, but that's the time that I seem to do my best. Yeah, you right. taking notes here, Tom? See you structure your day, mate. Yeah, I know. Up I know. at three. Up at three. Couple well, my three child, or four really strong hours. My child's up at three, so she's actually almost getting me on the Vlandy sleep pattern, which is very nice. 
Um, back to rugby league. It was one of the questions I wanted to ask when we were at the races with you a couple of weeks ago. And we were just, at some point, we were talking about TV rights deals and that sort of stuff. And uh, when you're when you're going into these negotiations with um, you know with heads of networks and all that sort of stuff, and you know you're you know you're in for a sort of a bit of a, a tussle, a back and forth. What's that like? Is that exciting on some level? It's almost like you know jousting of the business world. No, I, I actually, it, it's got its moments. Um, I've got to say that was probably the hardest part of last year for me was the broadcast negotiations. You had one broadcaster that didn't want to broadcast at all. They'd announced to the market that they're um, not going to broadcast rugby league this year and, and they're going to save 120 million by not doing it. So that was the starting point for me. I had to convince them um, that we were going to play and they need to broadcast. And, and that wasn't an easy task. And then you had another broadcaster that would have started the next day because their whole business model depended on about us playing. But it was also for me was the employment that it causes. Where it really hit me one day was when I was at home and I got a journalist to ring me and he said, I said, uh, and he said, I'm going on six weeks holiday. I said, why? He said, well, there's no work for me. He said, the, the game's closed. And that's when it hit me. God, we've got to get this game going. You know, so many people depend on it. And it's also the escapism for so many people. It's, you know, you, you forget your troubles and your worries in watching that game and that particular point in time. So it was important. But, the, but as I say, the hardest thing was, well, what I used to do is I used to have a whiteboard and all the negotiations I would record on the whiteboard. But when they left, I'd rub it off and just put my figures in. So when they came the next time, they'd look at the whiteboard <laughs> and they'd go, wait a minute, I don't remember that. I said, yeah, you agreed to that. So, but, but then the buggers started to take the camera and photograph the friggin' whiteboard. So that, that strategy went out the window very quickly. Um, but it was hard negotiations, and, and, but they were two good blokes and yeah. you know, they were friendly. They, they never got uh, personal. You know, we'd have a pretty robust debate at times and you know, we'd throw each other, a, a pen at each other but at the end of it, we'd go and have a beer, and that, that was a good thing about it. And that's how it should be. You should never get personal on things. You, you negotiate the issue. You negotiate the, you know, and, and you have to expect that they're going to negotiate the best deal for their organisation, mm. and they have to expect that, uh, you know, I'll kick them, in, kick them in the where it hurts. Yeah. For, for my organisation, and and that's how it should be. Sounds like a game of rugby league. It does. You know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. And you shake hands at you the end. You shake hands at the end, you have a nice beer and you move on. How long did it take, the negotiation? Oh, they took a long time. You know, it, it wasn't easy. And, and then the media got hold of it and, you know, you to have all these media... Um, cameras are all, are all waiting outside the venue so that made it even a little bit more difficult so we even started meeting on Sundays when you know hopefully that you know they were confidential you know we had tens of meetings it wasn't an easy process and as I said nobody has ever experienced a pandemic before mm. and the effect it had on their businesses so we were going into uncharted territory so we had to negotiate with not knowing what was ahead you know and the thing the broadcasters didn't want was for us to start and then stop again and that would have destroyed them and so i, I had to really really ensure them and, and guarantee them that we wouldn't stop and start that we would get through that season without um, any disturbance and we did and and i think that the, they're surprised themselves that we were able to do it a lot of people out there that say well that don't know what they're talking about frankly that say oh yeah no peter's you know he's been okay and getting the game back but the the rights deal he negotiated moving forwards less than the last one we negotiated. It seems to me that, you know, as old school TV, you know, analog digital TV sort of falls away and it gets onto streaming and, you know, everything gets more splintered that those big rights deals may be a thing of the past. Look, 
we, we've been very clever in the sense that we haven't indicated what we got. But what people don't understand is we had 25% less product last year. Yeah. And it's amortised over three years. It wasn't all amortised over one year. So it was a three-year deal. We did another five-year deal with, with Fox. Now, Fox provide 66% of our broadcast revenue. And I can tell you that's a better deal than we've ever had. Okay. So, um, but it gave us something that, that we needed, and that was certainty. We needed certainty moving forward because you don't know what the broadcast um, is going to be like in three or four years. You've got all these what they call over-the-top um, services like your Apple, your, your Stan, your, your Netflix, and people are migrating away from your cable TV and your free-to-air TV to these OTTs. I did a trip to America and went and spoke to all these OTTs, so I knew what they wanted to give us. I knew um, that it wasn't going to be as much as what we're receiving now. and. So I had to quickly get in and get the best possible deal while it was there and while cable is still in existence because mm. eventually cable will be a thing of the past. And, um, you know, it, it's a matter of how long cable will last. The good thing about Australia is that Foxtel are both cable and OT because they've got cable in Foxtel and they've got the OT in KO. So we had the best of both worlds. All the other OTs, they wanted a revenue share. So we, we had, there was no certainty for our revenues. There was no, and they wanted us to pay for production. Production costs $50 million a year. So uh, I know how good a deal it is. And, you know, all these critics, they can say what they like and they can say, and because they, they don't really know, you know, yeah. that, that's the, and we're not going to let our competitors know what we're doing or how we're doing it. And it's also important that the two broadcasters don't know wh how we did, because if you gave a bit more to one more than the other one, um, that could cause grief. So, you know, that's that's a reason why it's commercial in confidence. And, but I, I'm very confident the deal we've done is that would have been, and you've got to remember, we were losing $13 million per week that we weren't playing. So I had to get them to, to broadcast, and they needed to start on the 28th of May. So otherwise, it could have been a lot worse than what it ended up. There you go. Once you once it was uh, like agreed upon and the game was back, was there? did you have a moment just to sort of like take a breath? Like, thank God, we've got it there, we're back on. Obviously, there's the ongoing concern that it all kept working, but did you have a moment to just... But, but according to you, Blake, so I am God, so I didn't thank myself. That's did true, I? No, no, that's, no, that's true. Um, well, no, you're the grandson of God. No, God sorry, yeah. No, no, you're I the did, son I, of Christ. I, I, did thank, I did thank my granddad. Yeah. yeah. No, um, <laughs> no, look, I, I, I think when the game started, I was at home, and it, there was a sense of relief. There yeah. was a sense of... But then it was like being in jail because then I did count every round down. You know, so you spend yeah. one round down, there's 19 to go, plus the semis, plus state of origin. So it was never uh, out of my mind that we could stop. You know, it could, something could happen. So every round that we played, that was $13 million in our bank account. That's how I looked at mm. it. Um, so if we can get to the end of the season, you know, we'd be financially viable. And, and I don't think people realise the perilous state we were in if we didn't play mm. um, and the you know we would have incurred a 400 to 500 million dollar loss we would have had to have borrowed money which then you have to pay over generations and and that would have an effect on the game we had to do none of that so we've ended up with 120 million in the bank at the end of it um, and you know we're in a good financial position for this year I'm sure you didn't expect it when you took over the game necessarily and you know you, you saved it 
How have you reacted to the sort of cult status you've got? Like, no, not really many heads of the game in the past have been embraced by the people as much as you have. How have you found the experience? Look, it's it's weird because the weirdest part for me is when you walk down the street and people stare at you and they say, who is that bloke? I recognise him from somewhere. They is that probably the son of Christ? Yeah, 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 yeah. It looks like Jesus' son. <laughs> I'm sure it is. A couple of, couple of thought I was the bloke that owned the fruit shop down the road. But, now the, <laughs> um, but so, so there's always that for them. They, 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 they've seen you somewhere, but they quite can't work out who the hell you are. That, that, mm. I get that feeling a lot. But there is, look, the demographic that I've appealed to, which is a great thing in some essence, is the 18 to 30-year-old male. Mm. Uh, that's the... The age group. 32-year-old male. 30, my, so that, that's the age group that I've appealed to, which is a good thing, you know. And I, and I, I just hope in some way that that they're inspired and, and they want to do things, and you know, because there's no one better example than me that you can do whatever you like if you try and work hard because I was a kid, migrant kid, uh, who was bullied in the playground, whose parents worked 18 hours a day. The closest I got to a private school was to walk past it. I went through the public school system, through Wollongong University as a failed student, and look where I am. So that 18 to 35-year-old demographic, they look at it and say, well, geez, I can do that, you know, because anyone can do it. And, and I, if I can inspire one person, especially a young migrant kid, to be able to think they can do it, um, I, I, I think I've done my job. It's hard work, punters and dribblers. Simple as that. That's it. Now, have you always had an eye for the ponies? Look, look what actually happened with the ponies, I used to live across the road from a guy, uh, my best friend lived across the road from a guy that owned horses. Yeah. And on a fr and both my, unfortunately, my grandparents passed away at an early age. So I used to go over there and adopted them as my grandparents. And he would tell me all these stories about horses and, and we'd watch the horse racing on the ABC on a Friday night. And it... He, it captivated me. He captivated me. So I started punting. I was only nine at the time. Um, and I, I continued punting till I was about 18. Uh, and I used to get this guy to put my bets on. And, and I was quite a successful punter. And the bugger would keep 20%. So I nicknamed him the tax department. Um, and then uh, I learned quickly that, you know, Hunting doesn't pay your way, and but I did run a sports betting operation at university, and used to use the university union's printing machines. and And at one point there, we were giving thirty three to one. I thought to myself, "Geez, what if someone wins?" Um, so I retired that very quickly. So you're on the bag at the university. Oh yeah, mate. When you're at uni, you got to do all these things. So I was definitely a, a a legal bookmaker on those days. Probably not quite legal now, though. My God, that's fantastic. That's unbelievable. We've actually got a betting show going at the moment. We do. We've just launched a betting show about even if anyone's out there wanting to sponsor it uh, oh, we I asked thought Tab were going to sponsor well, it well look we're still where's we're, John Vellis when you know no no John good man John good man I think he's you know worried about some of our uh, humour look yeah, yeah I think yeah. maybe some there's some maybe some rumblings internally that we may be a little <laughs> lowbrow <laughs> a well, little blue but, but that's that's the, where Tab get it wrong in my view Tab, that's the customer of Tab you know mm. they don't have Greenpeace's customers do they I mean no. they don't have these politically correct people no, and that's who they play to you ring someone at Tab and they're all planting trees you know that punters <laughs> don't plant trees <laughs> I know I know that's they, the, they, it's they the, knock them they knock them down they don't plant them <laughs> we have been trying to to, to make that case case to, uh, to the betting companies that they all talk about how they want to go young and it's like well that's exactly well, I think sports better take it up I'll, I'll get you the sponsorship with sport because that, that's the that's the audience they have look at their ads I know I know, I know. Um, you know, the, the guy that wins the garbage bin rally or whatever yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah, the uh, elite average yeah. games, I believe. In terms of going young, obviously the Everest has been critically acclaimed. That was designed to go for a younger audience. Was that your brainchild? Look, it, 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 
it was a lot of people's brainchild. But it actually, the uh, the concept came from the United States. There was a race that was similar called the the Pegasus, mm. but they made a lot of mistakes. So I picked up the idea from there and looked at what we're good at. But what I've discovered is that young kids won't do what their parents do. <laughs> you know, they they begrudge doing it. And I can remember. I had a chairman here that was a chairman of Billabong and one of my older directors who was about 70 at the time, he came in with a Billabong hat on <laughs> and I can remember my chairman rushing across the room and taking his hat off and this poor startled 70 year old says, what the hell are you doing? He says, mate, if one of my 16 to 18 year old demographic sees an old fart like you wearing a hat that's Billabong, my sales will plummet. Undercover cop. Uh, and basically... <laughs> It really hit me then that you know he's right. You know you want you don't want to do what your parents do, and um, you know when when parents started getting on Facebook, all the kids went on Snapchat and, and Instagram. They, they don't want to be on Facebook with their parents. So it's the same with the Everest. They they didn't want to have the same race as their parents. They wanted their generational race, and the Everest is their generation. You know we we don't normally sell pre-sale tickets at race meetings. We sold 22,000, 80% of them were under the age of 30. So you can see, and we don't have cash in some of the bars and so we can track the credit cards, 78% were under the age of 25. Like it, um, so the Everest appealed to that younger generation and, and it's important and, and I think products over the years change. I mean, I can remember Co the, the, reading a Kodak uh, example where Kodak was the number one filmmaker. It, it had the number one cameras. And someone came in and said, oh, we've got these digital cameras. And the bloke said, just go put that under the cupboard. You don't, you know, we make all our money out of film, you know. Three years later, Kodak went into receivership yeah. and the digital camera was born. And there's a similar story with the Sony Walkman where a bloke said, oh, there's going to be digital music. They said, oh, you're mad, digital music, that'll never happen. And look at it now, there's, the Sony Walkman's a thing of the past. You see it in a museum, yeah. you don't see it. Um, and you, that's where Apple came in. So you've got to continue to look at the product because generational things will change. And, and I always use the example of you walked into a supermarket 20 years ago and you'd get white bread and wholemeal bread. Mm. Now you're walking, there's a whole aisle of breads. You know, <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know. I feel I feel for white bread. I really do. White it, it used to be the staple in every home. Well, it's gone the way of the Walkman. Anyway. <laughs> it's gone the way of the Walkman. It's a it's a well, crying well, shame. Well, I think you'll find the Walkman in the white bread. Yeah. So. <laughs> Wedge between them. And so, are you are you constantly thinking about what the next thing is? Oh, or yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and the same thing with rugby league is is we've got to look at how to make the game more entertaining. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's what we did with the six again. It, it's people forget that there's a customer and, and there's a fan and that fan needs to be entertained. It's their piece of escapism. Now, if you keep giving them the same robotic sort of game, you'll fail. And, and it's the same with, with racing. You, you've got to keep producing events that people get excited about and want to be part of, want to get engage in, make it relevant to that generation. And the one thing that I think is through all the generations for racing is fashion. So, you know, let's let's do more on fashion. Let's do more things that appeal to all generations, not just mm. uh, the older or younger generation. Do you remember what we were dressed in when we went to the races? And could you maybe give like a, a fashions on the field for us? Who who was dressed? Well, uh, well, up when you arrived in board shorts and t-shirts, <laughs> and we had to get <laughs> you a, had to get you a suit. Well, then, then it was. Um, now, I, look, I think you were pretty splendidly dressed. That's and, very nice. You know, certainly better than me, So, because I'm my tail is St. Vincent de Paul, so I think you did better than I. <laughs> now, I don't know if you heard, uh, we did the podcast just after we were at the races with you, and again, thank you for having us. It was a wonderful day. Uh, and you know, it was the first time Eddie and I had been in, in the director's room. Was it the director's room? Is that the, the, the yeah. director's it room. was the first, yeah. yeah. The first and time. so we're sitting down, obviously, we were shocked when we realized we were sitting next to you. We were like, holy shit, we're next to Pete. 
And then as they're bringing out all the food and it was lovely and then the entrees came out and you had a full plate of oysters that I thought were for the entire table. And just as I'm about to like take one, pass it on, you've come and sat down and obviously enjoyed them as well as your lobster, I think that came out later. That's one of the, that's one of the great flexes I've ever seen where everyone's got their meal and you're sitting there like a a king. Now that's not quite accurate because (laughs) because I normally get 12 oysters, but when I ate them, there's only eight. I don't know what happened to the four, but I swear it wasn't me. And that lobster's actually not lobster it's it's seafood additive i don't know if you've ever seen that seafood oh, okay. additive, but it looks like lobster it certainly looks like lobster. it had me it, no, well, well, yeah. i'm no seafood connoisseur but no that looked like all the hallmarks of lobster no that's just that seafood additive you get <laughs> now it's a great at the, at the local fish and chip yeah. shop i was i was um i was happy to see that you're a pepsi max connoisseur though yeah where our, our listeners pepsi max is pepsi probably max, the soft drink of the of the, the podcast the punters and dribblers of yeah. the podcast so to see you enjoying a can or two was was heartwarming Actually, it was about six or seven cans yeah, 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 by, no, the, by the end of it. It was quite a few. Um, the waiter played a great role. It was never... It was No, you never had an empty can of Pepsi Max in front of you. We were watching it just like, oh, there's more Pepsi Max there. He's getting through them. It must have been those salty oysters, I think. Yeah, they, they, no, exactly. They, 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 exactly. Something you know, certainly made me thirsty. It wasn't, <laughs> um, the, wasn't the pretzels. You talk about change um, and you're always thinking for rugby league. Six again is just been tremendous because... The more football you can squeeze into the 80 minutes, the better. And just seeing some of those big boys get tired is great. What, where you where you thinking next? Where's where's the brain look, looking look, to? Look, I, I think we had to correct the imbalance between attack and defence. You know, there was just too much defence, and it mm. made the game less entertaining. It didn't bring those brilliant players that you get on your feet to watch, and um, and we needed to bring those brilliant players back, and and make it more exciting, and get the balance right between attack and defence. You know, some people are criticising us now that we've gone too much to the to the attack and not enough on defence. But time will tell. Yeah. But I always say the six again is a, is a deterrent. Basically, is this year we've introduced six again if you don't stand back the ten metres. Now, if you stand back the ten metres, it won't be six again. You know, that, that's the bottom line to it. it won't, if you don't wrestle the bloke and keep him down in the ruck, there won't be six again. So do the right thing, and you won't have to tackle for twenty-two tackles. You know, and that's what the players and everyone's forgetting is it's really up to them. You know, all we want is for the fan to see them stand back ten metres, don't wrestle, and make the game entertaining. Yeah, it's not rocket science. Like nah. they're blowing up, going oh, six again for not getting back ten. It's like yeah, we'll get back ten. You'll yeah, get yeah, back it's, 10. It's pretty simple. Yeah, yeah. Very simple. Even a bloke that doesn't, you know, got P's at Wollong University understands that. So. <laughs> Queensland won't like that. They're never back 10. No, they're never back 10. Never no, back 10. That's going to be tough. It's infuriating. It's always good for New South Wales. With the power that you hold um, as chairman of the commission. And have you, son of Christ. And son of Christ. Have you ever considered the possibility of stripping some of those Queensland titles because Greg Inglis didn't? He's actually from New South Wales. That's like, that's, you know, just go back and sort of rewrite the record books mm-hmm. and, you know. Adjust them as no, they look. I, look, I, I, I'd love to do that, but you know, a lot of my Queensland fan base would kill me. So, I've got to be equal between Queensland and and New South Wales, and I even have to be have to be pleasant to Melbourne too. So that's uh, that's the hardest part. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's the hardest part of this job is you know, in racing, you can really attack Melbourne and Victoria. You can you know tell them where to jump off, but but because Melbourne Storm are in Melbourne, I've actually got to be nice. So you know, what a beautiful river that Yarra River is. Jesus, I'd love to you know one day ski along there. You know, it's just it's just beautiful. <laughs> well, look, you've been very generous with your time. Um, before we let you go, just uh, a couple of other questions. For me, just one was around Joseph Suwali. A lot of the chat is him, you know, you may have already answered this, and forgive me if you have, but, you know, the chat about should he be able to play 
from where I'm sitting, I don't see why he shouldn't be. You know, he's young and like he's 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 18 in like a couple of months. It's not like he's 14 years old. Where do you sit on you know what he should be doing? Look, when South Sydney first approached us on him, and since then he's gone to the Roosters, but they asked us, would we consider reducing the age limit to allow him to play? And I've always been a person that doesn't like structure. I, I'd like to have agility, you know, to, to make decisions. So we changed the we didn't change the rule. We just provided a rule in the rules that allowed us to make a exception if we need to. Mm. So the rule is still there about the age, but we can make an exception. So the roosters now who've got Suwali have made an application and we've gone through a rigorous process of taking him to a uh, a mental psychologist first off and then a physical doctor to check his, you know, that physically he can do it. We've been to the headmaster of the school. We've had his mother and father in there. And I've got to tell you, from all reports, he's one of the most impressive young blokes you'll ever meet. Uh, he's he's a giant. He, uh, he's one of the most well-mannered, um, you know. Uh, so we'll be making the decision in the next two days, uh, either today or tomorrow. Um, Not going to break any news. No, we can't break it here because <laughs> I haven't got the final report. No, no, so that's until until right. we get the final report, so I don't want to no, of course, of preempt it and get it wrong, and then, um, <laughs> and then we're all in trouble. Yeah. But we can make assumptions. Yeah, yeah, we can assume. But we'll assume. We'd love to assume. Yes. Before we let you go, uh, now this is you know this is usually uh, an honour bestowed on um, punters and dribblers of the podcast, so you're welcome in advance. Um, but this is an official induct oh. inductment inductment. He's an inductee. He's, inductee. he's being an inductee. He's, he's been inducted. Yeah. What a shit show that was. <laughs> uh, to the Hello Sport Eleven. Oh, oh look at that. Oh, That's gorgeous. No, thank you so much. Welcome. That's impressive stuff. But you, 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 look at that. But what is it? You must think I've got a big head because it says extra, extra, extra. extra <laughs> no, large. no, no. That's a. Is that the, that's is that a symptom of our audience more than anything the, else. No, that's look. Obviously that's the saying on the back. That, there. that that will be held with a great yeah, look, pride. You don't have to put that on. That's just for you to obviously put on in the pool room, the mantelpiece. Look, you know what I'll put it on when I go in that fetal position the next time I wear the hat <laughs> yeah, perfect. it'll inspire you to be it'll inspire me to get out of that greatness. fetal position that's right, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Now, oh one more actually and this is usually we, whenever we're interviewing athletes we always ask uh, the beep test now I don't know if you're aware of the beep test no, did I'm you ever do the beep test no, growing no, up no I don't know what the beep test is 20 metres you you, you've got to get to the other end before the beep goes on. And it just gets quicker it's and like quicker. It's like 1.1, 1.2, 1. 1. and it moves up. Okay. It's, it's, it's basically the ultimate test of one's physical capabilities. And it's also our well, way to well, compare well, ourselves to not, athletes. Let, let's not waste time. I failed before we start. <laughs> <laughs> if it's a physical test. Well, it's something they make you do at school at the time. Okay. So we'd have, you know, we'd have some, like, you know, impressive. Like, we had Angus Crichton on. We're like, what'd you get in the beep test? And he's obviously got something far more impressive. But, you know, we sort of can get a gauge on where we're sitting. So you measure all men. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Anyway, you haven't competed in it. It's more of an our generation thing, so we're not going to hold it against yeah, you. Yeah. Thank you very much for coming on. It's been yeah, a really no, honour no, for no us. Problem. But I look forward to the beep test. When, we do, when, when do we do that? We are actually releasing our own special Halo Sport beep test and Wait, we yeah. actually voice the whole thing yeah okay well I'm, a in, lot of fun. I'm in with a beep test okay okay I'll, perfect I'll, I'll, perfect. Tra I'll train for it do you have to train for it or anything or well, only if, if you want to if you want to put up a big number you got to train yeah we now, did you are one. a man of your word as well <laughs> yeah, no, no, what's a big number so I just know what to if you got to 10 I would be so impressed he got we did one to like test run our own beep test he got 11.5 I don't want to rob you of anything it was 11.5 I got six I'm not very fit. I heard the laughing over there as well. We do have some <laughs> yeah. staff. Look, what, I'm, what I might do is if I do the beep test, I'll get, 
half a dozen of my staff to do it with me. So there you go. See how good they go. There you there go. go. Love that. You know, Get some punches like, you know, along. You know, they always like sitting on the sideline yeah, and watching, laughing, and, laughing, and, laughing, and, laughing, and, you know, right. and no, no. never be in the game. So let's get them in the game. You've got to get in the game. Beep, do, that, yeah, get in the game. You've got to be beep. in it to win. You've got to be in it to win it. Yeah. Love the sound. Oh, I thought the beep test must have been how many times you swear. I would have, I would have got 10, <laughs> 10 out of 10 for that. Oh, we pass that one as well. You'll be swearing by the end of it. Thank you very much, mate. Pleasure, fellas. Good luck for the season. Thank you very much. All the best. Could you two just not talk anymore?